I V M. All right, welcome to a show about crypto. And joining us again is Mohit Mamoria. How are you, Mohit? Hey, I'm all good. I'm all good. Staying safe, staying indoors. Staying safe, staying indoors. I'm glad to hear that. Right now, that seems to be the best choice for everybody. Take it from me. I've learned the hard way. So, Mohit, the question I have for you today, and this is a question that's come up in the now I think 23 episodes that we have done this. The one thing that I've come to hear a lot is that. Um, There's a kind of evangelism that's taken hold in this movement where it's like blockchain is a solution to everything, everything but on the blockchain. And my question yeah. to you is: one, is that true? And if not, where is blockchain the solution? And where do you feel like it's just being shoved down our throat because it's the new marketing buzzword? It's bullshit. I mean, the concept of just putting slapping blockchain on anything and everything is bullshit. I do not buy it. I've been here. I have. Build stuff. I have seen people building stuff. I have nested in companies. It's bullshit if you just slap everything with blockchain. Why is it bullshit? Because you see a few adjectives around blockchain: immutability, you can never change, decentralized. But that's not the whole picture. Like immutability is an adjective, but what's the noun? So noun is the data. It's the digital data. So the one problem, the one use case that made blockchain popular was Bitcoin. Yes, basically Bitcoin invented this new data structure called blockchain. Which was immutable, decentralized, blah blah blah, all the adjectives. But Bitcoin itself was digital in nature. It started digital. It stays digital. It will end digital. So it's nothing like some physical thing was there, which was converted into digital era, and then it was converted, and then it was put on blockchain. So this conversion from physical to digital requires a trusted authority, a trusted party to do this conversion. There's no way to convert this water bottle into a digital form. You'll have to have a QR code that is owned by this water bottles manufacturer that will go on. So there is a trusted third party. So because of this conversion from physical to digital, blockchain cannot solve anything because even though there are adjectives out there, the noun itself is something that blockchain doesn't understand natively. So it's plain bullshit if you just hear about hey, blockchain will solve this problem in this industry, this problem in that industry. But I would not say blockchain cannot solve any problem. There are certain areas you just need a different perspective to think about them, which is little beyond the just the adjectives that you hear in the popular news. A few things, I think this is not to say somebody is trying to pull off a scam or they we are just trying to like raise money. I think it's nature's natural human behavior that whenever we some see something new, we want to create the older things in this new perspective. For example. We are on a computer screen. We have desktop. I mean, desktop really doesn't make any sense. Desktop came from our physical desktops that right. were there. Wallpapers. If you remember the or very old iPhone, there used to be a library iBooks where you you would see actually see the photo of library and then books yeah. on top of it. You would click and then the book will open like this. Yep. Like when you get a new technology, you try to imitate the existing older things into the new technology. that has been done and that has been popular but those use cases never became the propellant of the technologies those were good right. to have use cases right so i'll just give you one thing we moved from digital era to internet era and then from internet era to decentralized era when internet came in before internet we were using softwares like word processing like the business utilities mm-hmm. and creative softwares these two were softwares right. are the most popular popular softwares but when internet came in we didn't try definitely we tried to like build a online version of these softwares now we have online versions of these softwares but the main use case that really propelled the internet was things very new things new things which never existed before these new things were like social networks e-commerce whatsapp messaging services now these are these were not the problems that were there before 
these were entirely new thought up solutions that internet could provide by being digital and being online similar thing would happen with blockchain right now we are just trying to fix everything using blockchain but blockchain will give rise to very new use cases which we have not even seen before one of the very popular use case bitcoin is like replacement of money like it's not digital it's not software it's just replacement of money second ethereum it's replacement of a global computer if you have been aware about something called seti mm-hmm. search yeah, for extraterrestrial of course i huge seti nerd i gave i gave seti some of my computer space ones Yes, 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 yes. So we have all been there. We have done that. And it's a distributed program. Like you do your own computation, you submit it to the city and then there's a centralized organization which compiles everything. And then uh, Ethereum just did one up on that. It said now for the compilation, there's no central authority. Everything will happen again in in the decentralized manner. So again, a very weird nerd, nerd based use case, but now it's very popular as a Ethereum. So what we'll see, I have a few thesis i don't know the answers but i have few thesis what you'll see number 1 okay mm-hmm. number 1 we are all surrounded by numbers in various forms and matters for example our money is a number that we try to optimize that we try to gain and more and more of when you play a game your xp points are numbers so yeah. these numbers all of these numbers wherever you can see these numbers will be put up on blockchain sooner or later all of these numbers right so this is one So you just have to hunt where you are earning numbers, where you are spending numbers. Like all of these things, you have to just see games, video games, real life, maybe reputation. Reputation these days have no number, no tangible number. But what if reputation could be a number someday? Second is anything digital. So when I say digital, it could be artwork, it could be music, it could be anything, but something that starts digitally, where there is no need for for the conversion from a physical object to digital object. As long as this conversion is not happening. it's it's all fine it can be there on the blockchain but as soon as this conversion happens that that's not a suitable solution for blockchain so anything that starts digital natively digital stays digital ends in digital form and numbers these are two theses that i have but what really will be the problems or the solution i don't know this is the creative minds to think this is for the creative minds to think that's awesome the one place where i'm not so sure i agree with you is uh, a number for your reputation because it is essentially a manipulable data set at the end of the day i mean a literal literal black mirror episode about how dangerous it is if you try to reduce our reputation down to one sort of number i guess but i take your point about the other stuff i think that was what what i really appreciated was the distinctive bit the distinction between just this sort of skeuomorphic redigital avatar of a real world thing is nonsense versus to take that point from you then what do you make of sort of the marketing promises being made in some aspect in some areas of the metaverse right now right where it's like oh nike is going to open a store in the metaverse and oh you know that you can you can go buy cars in the metaverse and you know you can go buy this and this in decentraland and do you think that falls into your category of just trying to take physical things that we have and give people equivalents of those online and in a sense are those and I don't know if this is a brutal word but is that just vaporware before I say anything just one small thing I want to ask you like what's the definition of metaverse like uh, so that I just get the basic understanding what we are talking about like when I when we talk about metaverse what do you think metaverse is so I'm not talking about ready player one that's for sure okay. I'm not I'm not okay. talking about like the idea of ready player one I'm just talking about the current pitch which is a sort of more deeply integrated gaming experience okay as opposed to the one where we have today where there is a certain degree of separation between us and the machine my understanding is that what the metaverse seeks to do is seeks to thin those boundaries where you're more and more in it where 
there's a social dimension to it where you can just turn around and no, here are my friends and you can walk around in here and just join somebody in a game without even thinking about it. That's my definition. Yes. Am I okay. incorrect? No, no, you are not incorrect. I'll just update your definition. So I think we are already in metaverse. It's just for me, metaverse is not a space where you will go into metaverse is just a moment in time when you'll realize you're in the metaverse. So for example, if your friend has a birthday, for example, you, you had a birthday, you got a PC, but that's not all. There was a video that was put out on the internet that you got a PC. So metaverse is something just a digital variant of our life, a digital version of our life. And we right. put out this digital version. So if our mothers or fathers have a happy birthday, we wish them, we hug them, but we also put out an Instagram post wishing our mothers and parents in front of everybody. That is also important to us because we want to see those 200 people validating our wish to our parents. So we are already in the metaverse. It's just a moment of time when we realize we are in the metaverse when, because these days we have more people who are our friends, who we know in virtual digital world than we know in real life. Uh, so it's just a matter of time when the experience gets upgraded. So maybe the metaverse, the first user experience would be in the VR or AR goggles. The experience gets upgraded and just a moment in time when you realize you have been in metaverse for all this while. One thing, yes, this Nike creating new planets, different stores, buying land on different planets. Now there's a fine distinction between converting this into a digital world and buying a native digital version of this bottle in the digital okay. world itself. So nobody promises that if you buy something over here, you'll get a bottle in real world shipped to you. You buy it there, your avatar will use it, your avatar can drink water from it. It's like an entire world within itself. So if a metaverse is contained realm in itself, there's no ties to this physical world, no promises, then it's a valid promise. But if the promises are that, hey, you do this in metaverse and then you'll get this in, in physical world, this is where you need trust and this is where I say, this might not be the right project, real, real true metaverse project. Got it. All right, we're in conversation with Mohit Mamoria on a show about crypto, but it's time for a short break and we will continue after this. Welcome back to a show about crypto. I'm in conversation with Mohit Mamoria. So what about, say, something like, so recently Kickstarter announced it was going to get onto the blockchain and there was a lot of backlash. Could you explain that? Because it was I my first instinct when I read the news was just, why? Like, this just sounds like you're just trying to capitalize on a sort of new word being out there. But I'm curious as to what your take is on it. Because again, Kickstarter's legacy business that's been doing just fine in a non-blockchain setup. And the one thing that we cannot ignore is today at the end of the day, like blockchain setups, they are, yes, the hope is and the promise so far from what I can tell over the last 23 episodes is that they hope to become more energy efficient, but they're not right? At this point, they're just not. So is there a valid basis for somebody like Kickstarter going, I'm going to get onto the blockchain or was the backlash justified? Okay. So I think Kickstarter's move and the backlash both were justified. I think the difference okay. was there, just, uh, just the audience was not right. So Kickstarter wanted to move into the blockchain world because I'm just putting out Kickstarter's claim. So they claimed, we do not want to be the bottleneck that says this is right, this is wrong. You do everything that you want to do and it'll just get give more access to people. Maybe Kickstarter need a legal entity. Like legally, it has to be compliant in so many different countries to open its services to other countries. But what if there's a, a very creative person, say in Afghanistan, who wants to, to do something, raise some money, but 
he or she cannot do it because Kickstarter is not available there. But if it's on blockchain, the access goes over there. So that was their motive. Like I, we want to just give more access to our platform, to our ethos through blockchain component because um, maybe we cannot do bank process, bank payments, legal compliances. But if we just support this blockchain, which has same ethos as company that we have, maybe it'll just give more access. That was their point of view, which was, I think, justified. But also they were trying to jump the band, bandwagon in some sort of way because okay. the timing was sort of right, very right. But the backlash, backlash came in, I think, because the audience was not right. If you look at the audience on Kickstarter, most, most of them are creatives and not just any creatives, purists. Like right. they focus too much on creation, they artwork, they, 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 if they see, like most of, I'm just uh, speculating right now, that most of the news that these people would have consumed would have just been about speculation, scams, just Bitcoin, somebody being millionaire after buying dogecoin like these are the like all the popular news they, they would they would have consumed so they the audience would not have gotten the chance really to understand what they're trying to do how it's effective so the backlash was i think again justified from their point because they were not made aware or they were not educated about the whole point again coming from the news i think the biggest argument that these creatives raised was that just like you said blockchains are not power efficient but Kickstarter was using a blockchain which was already a proof-of-stake blockchain. They were use, using okay. something called CELO, C-E-L-O. So this blockchain was not Bitcoin, was not Ethereum. And they, they, they claim, I don't know, but they claim to be even carbon negative. So basically, proof-of-stake is just like my mobile doing all the mining, my mobile phone. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just that. So no, no real power being spent. So yeah, these are the both the sides. Who was right, who was wrong? I don't know. I just think it was little bad timing, little less education and okay. just it's just the wrong set of audience to blow this bomb in their face. Got it. So now another question. How decentralized is the blockchain truly in the sense that like we've seen Jack Dorsey warn about this. We've seen people talk about this where they're like at the end of the day today, VCs and institutions are already in this game. Right, which means today, even if like we're seeing this already, right, with a lot of different wallets and coins, we're already seeing the emergence of so many whales that can swing the balance on what is supposed to be a decentralized network. Today, it's very easy to say decentralized, but inequity is everywhere, right? But at the end of the day, purchasing power, mining power, all of those things are still inherently tied to what fiat you have in the real world. Yes. Right. So. Yes. Is there any merit to this sort of almost apocalyptic warning that this decentralized internet that everybody claims to be building could by the time it becomes in any way mainstream already be not decentralized? I'm about to say something that I have never said publicly before, but I have been like a huge believer in this thesis and centralization is a feature of decentralization. So no matter how you start, you are going to end up centralized. Right. Sooner or later. So for example, when the world began, when the humanity began or society started forming, everything was decentralized. Everybody had to grow their own food, mm-hmm. have their own animals, do their own job. Everything was decentralized. Everything was responsible for their own stuff. But soon somebody said, what if I do it for you? But then money was invented. said, what if I do this for you so that you don't have to do it? I'll give you convenience. You just give me a little bit of trust, a little bit of money. Convenience is the currency that inherently human beings want. So right. then centralization started happening with this one person. Take the, even, even take in a classroom of students, everybody is equal in a classroom. But if there's one person who helps all the other person, everybody, all other students will start trusting this person. They'll make him, him or her sort of a leader in their, in their sure. eyes. 
So this centralization is based on the fact that earning somebody's trust is free. You could do just good deeds and you could earn somebody's trust. And as soon as you earn somebody's trust, centralization starts happening. That's there. But there's also one more cycle. Decentralization always leads to centralization. We have seen time and time again. But there's another, right. another thing. If there's too much centralization, then people start to feel, hey, we have done some, something wrong. Let's reinvent everything and make everything decentralized. So centralization again leads to decentralization. And it's like a cycle. So it starts decentralized, then goes centralized, then goes decentralized, then again centralized. So if you, so Bala, this is Balaji's example, how to visualize this stuff. So right. if you look at like a cross, just look at a cross, like x-axis and y-axis. So you'll think like, hey, we are going back in time and then again forward in time. And it seems like a circle. Right. It'll seem like a circle in this plane. But Balaji says, just wait. If you just take this plane, which is like this, like which is like parallel to your face. If you just right. make it perpendicular, then you will see we are not just going in circles. We are going in helical like like DNA right. shape, like we are going right. up slowly, slowly. So with every iteration of centralized decentralization, centralized decentralization, we are going decentralized slowly, slowly, overall decentralized. It's right. like studio albums coming out with 10 songs. Mm -hmm. Then each song became individual song, which was decentralized. Everybody started publishing singles. But then right. Spotify, what Spotify did was they again grouped them into playlists. So right. bundling, rebundling, centralization, decentralized, it's, it's like a cycle. It'll keep going on. Bitcoin was the fairest project ever to launch, which was totally decentralized. Even Satoshi Nakamoto, the inventor of Bitcoin, had to mine his or her or their own coins. Right. Even, even they didn't get the coins for free. They had to put in some computer power to actually earn those Bitcoins themselves. But now, yes, inequity is there, purchasing power is there, risk appetite is different. So people who had higher risk appetite, purchase, higher purchasing power, they went into it. They started uh, getting a lot of um, uh, reward for the system, uh, which from the looks of it now looks slightly decentralized, uh, slightly centralized. But I would still say it's much more decentralized than the alternative that we have. So here's one, another thing with decentralization is that like you said, you have to do your own work, right? What does that mean? So the great thing about, especially if we're talking about like say Bitcoin in terms of just the fairest money in the world, okay? But the thing with money is like, my I understand my 50 rupee note or my 100 rupee note immediately. Like I, I pull it up and I know exactly how to use money. Now, this new decentralized sort of currency world that we're living in, it's a little more complicated than that. How you make a transaction, how you mine it, how you do that. So... How do you stop this again from just becoming a gold rush for the people that understand it now, where it just leaves out all the people who might not have that know-how today for whatever reason, right? Today it can be an education thing, it can be an age thing, it can be all of that. So how do we make sure that this decentralized future, how do we make sure that the blockchain carries everybody with it? I think that's not possible with anything. But no. Forget technology, forget blockchain. For it's it. just not possible with anything, with anything. I think inequities inequalities will be there because just just because people are free to make choices and different choices leads to different outcomes so the only way is to take everybody's freedom and forcing them to do something or educate them at mass level at the same time which which seems very improbable to do because again if somebody is educated they might not have the same risk appetite because different ways how we were sure. uh, brought up so i don't think that is something we could do i'll not promise i'll not i, I don't believe it could be done like blockchain Everybody has equal part of in the of the crypto right. in the world. That's not possible. But what I would say is there are no gatekeepers. 
So suppose if you have risk appetite, if you have purchasing power, there's nobody stopping you. Nobody is saying, for, for example, if you want to buy a stock in a startup, you have to be eligible. Like you have to show this much of your income and that, this, this. Even though you understand this startup, maybe it's run by your friend, you have the money, you have the risk mm-hmm. appetite, still they are gatekeepers. So in, in here, if you have the risk appetite, if you have the purchasing power, nobody's there to stop you. There, there are no gatekeepers. That is what I can promise you. But making everybody equal in this new paradigm, I don't think that's possible with anything. Okay, fair enough. I can't argue with that. Again, my one final question in terms of the centralization versus decentralization thing. And this is a question that comes up often. What do you do if you get screwed? Like last week, there was this report about theft of NFTs, right? This guy basically goes huge, like he literally, I remember that thing, the tweet was, all my apes are gone, which is a yeah. great sentence to like commit to the history books, <laughs> um, which I just think is a tremendously cool sentence to commit to the history books. But, and, and, and again, like, I feel like, like most people online that I could see were just like, well, welcome to the decentralized utopia you were promised, you know, I mean, the no gatekeeper means literally no gatekeeper, like in the sense that there's no watchman, you know, that who watches the what? there's no watchman to watch here. So how do we solve? Can we solve for that? Or do we now just accept that this is a bit like the Wild West or the Gold Rush where you just best sleep with a gun under your pillow and hope for the best? We are habitual of having a watchman because convenience has been something that is natural to us. Like growing up, we knew we could always reach out to somebody when something goes wrong. In, In the Web3 world or crypto world, yes, that is not there. So the only solution is even guns won't work. So the only solution is just to be vigilant with every single click that you do right now. But I'm sure people are smartest people are working on improving the user experience, like everything. So right, right now we are doing this video chat, recording this podcast. We just plugged in our mics and just started, started talking. Yeah, Behind the scenes, so many stuff is happening. So much stuff is happening. Like my internet packets are jumping through the different oceans and reaching out to different parts of the world. Like So much stuff is happening, but I'm not aware of it. But right now, people who are using it, the nerds who are using it, the user experience is bad. I know. User experience is very bad. So the only thing that we could do is be very vigilant by every single click that we do and work to improve the overall user experience for everybody. But I think this, this will be a problem that will be solved to a much extent, but in a very different way. There, there will never be a watchman. If there's a watchman, again, we are coming back to the same point. Uh, but the user experience will be so great in coming years that uh, it, it won't be a big problem. Okay, that's fantastic. Mohit, thank you so much for chatting with us. As always, great, great, great talk. This has been a show about crypto. We have been in conversation with Mohit Mamoria about is the blockchain the future of everything? And the sense I'm walking away with is um, no, it's not the future of everything. It is a very exciting future for certain new and amazing and interesting projects. Less of an interesting future for um, just legacy companies that want to sort of try and create digital versions of physical things that we own. And we're not going to get any security guards. We are going to, however, get new solutions for this. And fingers crossed. Thanks so much, Mohit. Hey, thanks so much, Rohan. Really enjoyed it.